I am very blessed. Are you? We all are, but I'm especially blessed, and I just realized it. Because not only do I get to serve a wonderful family like this, but I just noticed that someone left an additional gift behind the pulpit here. Some sort of Chick-fil-A goodies. I don't, you know, there's no way to get Chick-fil-A today, so I'm, these must be at least a day old. I don't know. But uh, anyway, just in case you get hungry with all this food. Okay, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We are a very blessed people. And uh, sometimes it's easy to recognize that. Sometimes it's easy to look at a stage full of food and say, man, what a blessing. But sometimes it's easy to forget how blessed you really are. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series that we're calling Thankful. Uh, and it's the idea that, of gratitude and how important of an attribute that is for Christian people. And let me tell you, it's harder maybe than it has ever been to be grateful and gracious and thankful. Now, it shouldn't be that way. Our world is amazing. Our, our world is just unbelievably like the age that we live in right now is absolutely like if you want to, you could get today, leave the parking lot, get on 235, drive down to Kellogg, go over to Airport Road, go to the airport and book a flight to anywhere in the world. And be there most of the places within the day. And, and with f- places farther around the globe, maybe farther than a day. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that took your ancestors like half a lifetime. By the time they traveled from New York to California, the entire family had changed. They, they, they were older. P- part of them didn't make the journey. I mean, it had been a very tiresome, grueling journey. What took them months takes us hours. Wouldn't they look at an age and a time like ours and say, man, they must be the happiest people in the world. Are you really? I mean, when you go to that airport, you'll probably grumble and complain about airline service. You'll probably be mad when you have to put your arms out and they frisk you. When they check through your luggage, you'll probably grumble and complain about the service and the food. See, it's... For as blessed as we are, we should not do near the complaining that we do that is so, so prevalent in our world. I think it was the early, early, it was the late 1960s, early 1970s, the first computer had been designed. It took up basically what would be equivalent to about half of this room. Could do very, very, very simple mathematical formulas. It took hours for it to complete. Do you think that the people, the scientists in that room who were responsible for running that giant computer would look ahead to a day like today where we would carry a thousand times that computing power right here? And they would say, man, those must be the happiest people in the world. But we complain when our software has to update. We complain when it, when it doesn't go as fast as it should, you know, because it's not going to space or anything when it makes those, all those computations. 
And we have all these blessings that we just take for granted. So that's what this series is really designed to sort of recenter our compass a little bit to make us realize how blessed we are and what happens when we understand how blessed we are. It should be, at least among Christian people, a very natural response. When you have been given the grace of Jesus Christ, not by works, not by anything you did to earn it, when you've been given the gift of God by simple, obedient faith, all you, everyone who's received that should just walk around with a huge smile, look so big like you eating a banana sideways. I mean, it, it should just permeate, joy should overflow out of your life, out of the gift that you've been given. We just take that for granted. Ah, somebody took my parking spot today. Ah, somebody's sitting in my spot. I knew I should have got here earlier. Ah, man. Where's the teacher for that class? i got to get these kids there. Come on. I mean, I'm not going to volunteer to teach. Isn't it, isn't it a little bit convicting how ungrateful we are as people who've received so much grace? Here in a, a couple of weeks, we're going to sit down with our families and celebrate all the blessings that we've been given. And maybe that will involve a meal I don't know how your family celebrates Thanksgiving. And you'll thank God Almighty for the bountiful blessings of heaven that he has given you. And after the meal and kind of watching some football or maybe you're hitting the dessert table, out come the Black Friday ads. You know, somebody's brought the, the, the ads from Target and Best Buy. We got, you know, we got to make sure we got a plan here. We got to make, cause, cause we, don't have enough stuff in our lives that we don't use. What we need now is to stand in line for more stuff that we won't use. It's hard to be grateful in our world. It's hard to practice thankfulness and gratitude and to let the idea of being blessed permeate who you are. So we're going to talk today about being filled. And I want to really look at one key text from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. I'd really like for you to turn there. Now, if you don't know the context of this section of Scripture, you, you notice I said 2 Corinthians. There's a 1 Corinthians. Uh, these were letters that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Now, it wasn't the first letter that he wrote, and this isn't the second letter. There are actually more letters that had uh, take, transpired between the Corinthians and Paul. But... In 1 Corinthians, you read that this church had problems. They had a lot of issues, and Paul dealt very strictly. But he cut to the core of it when he said, you guys aren't acting like Christians. You're acting like just mere humans. You're acting like you're out of the world. And Paul calls them to a higher standard. Now, now by the time this letter has been written, what we call 2 Corinthians, they have responded. They have repented. They have changed. It's a Paul... You're absolutely right. We, we did not, we, we are not living the Christ likeness. We might say it at Northside, we're not letting his light shine through us like it should. Now, in 2 Corinthians, Paul's trying to, to encourage them to grow and to mature and to move along in their Christian walk. And one of the ways that he wants to get them to move along is to make a gift. 
See, Corinth was the city of commerce. There was a, it was a, a big trade city, and so there was probably, I mean, this is kind of speculation, but from the clues that we get in the text, from what we know of Corinth, it was probably a very, uh, a reasonably wealthy church, or at least there were some people with substantial means in the church. And Paul knew that that was going to be a problem if they didn't deal with it in the right way. And so in this section of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 through 11, if you're uh, not familiar with the Bible, you can grab a pew Bible and turn to page 1147. And here's what Paul says. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply in and increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And he's speaking here about this gift. And he starts this section by saying, Remember, whoever sows generously, uh, sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, back down to verse 11. You will be made rich in every way. You see, some people pull that verse out of context and they say, well, yeah, Paul is a health, wealth, and prosperity preacher. He's saying, name it and claim it. You know, just, just write that check and God's going to multiply your investment. No, 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 that's not what he says. He says that you will be made rich in every way. You see, the, most of the time when we think of rich, when we think of blessed, we think of what has to do with money and material possessions. And there's one part of that. But there's more to being rich, and there's certainly more to being blessed than the amount of money or the amount of stuff that you own. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, this gift was going to go back and and go to some poor saints in Jerusalem. And Paul was taking up this collection, and he wanted the Corinthian church to be a part of that. And he says there's a couple of reasons. I mean, obviously he's gone at length in the larger context of helping them to grow and mature in Christ. But he says when you do this, you're going to be blessed in ways that you can't even fully understand. So what I want to center on these two verses this morning and help us think about what we're doing with Harvest Sunday and our last Light of Life challenge, okay? I got two points for you this morning, all right? The first is very simple, what I started out when we opened up this morning. You are blessed. Um, now, you may be sitting here, and, and you may be in a financially tight situation, and you may think, I am not blessed. I am not, I'm just living hand to mouth, I'm just living paycheck to paycheck. And I just have to gently and humbly disagree as your preacher. When you think, if you could put a scale of 0 to 10, and 0 being the poorest of the poor, living on less than a dollar a day, will sleep on a dirt floor tonight, barely able to get food or medicine, and will travel miles to get clean water. And 10 would be like... Bill Gates or Warren Buffett. See, you and I think, well, I'm not Bill Gates or Warren Buffett. 
Okay, if if Bill Gates and Warren Buffett were like a ten, if Jeff Bezos was a ten, if Tim Cook was a ten, okay, all of us in this room and all of us in this country, we're on a scale of about nine to nine point eight. I mean, we're talking about such a small degree of being blessed that when you, well, let me just tell you what I know. I've learned a few things about rich people. Can I tell you a few things about rich people? Rich people have an amazing experience with their food. Rich people... You're not going to believe this. Rich people can walk into these these places. They can go into the person at the front. They're taking uh, uh, seating people and say, "I have a, a, a like table for four people," and and they say, "Yes, right away, sir or ma'am." And then they seat them, and and the person comes up, a servant, if you will, and and they they take their orders and will bring them whatever they want that's on the menu. They they, uh, will, while they're waiting, offer them food before they get the food. They want to make sure that their glasses stay full the whole time. Uh, They will get uh, very full. And then the servant will say, sir or ma'am, would you, would you like some dessert? Well, of course we would like some dessert. And they'll have so much food at that meal, they won't even be able to finish it all. Rich people will take home boxes and bags of leftover food. And then comes the bill. Rich people are very blessed. They they don't even have to worry about the preparation of the meal or the cleanup of the meal in that moment. They just say it and it happens. Rich people are used to living in a land where there's always food. Where the shelves are always full. You know, rich people, they're they're unusual because they will go to the store to buy some cereal. But it's not just like there's an entire shelf full of cereal. I mean, it's not just one box of Cheerios. There's multiple brands. I mean, there's multiple kinds of Cheerios from adult to kid level, right? There's the expensive ones to the very inexpensive ones. They have stores and stores and stores full of food. And then they get to their homes And rich people have shelves that are full. They have walk-in rooms just to hold their food. That's what rich people are like. Let's talk about how rich people get dressed. Rich people have to cut out sections of the walls in their home just to store All of the clothes and the shoes and the belts that they have. And sometimes the the, the section cut out of the wall isn't big enough. They have an entire room that they walk into. And they'll look high and low and they have the clothes by season and by color and by shape. And sometimes they'll look around and say, I just don't have anything to wear. 
Rich people have automobiles. Not just one per family, but they have one per person. I mean, you look around in the land of the rich and you'll see people, a single person, all by themselves in a car that can hold four or five, six people. And they need to get a new one every couple of years. Rich people have rooms in their houses with automatic doors and cement floors and some of them are temperature controlled with electric lighting and the only purpose of those rooms is to hold their cars. Rich people have it really good. Let's talk about the cars that they drive. I mean, not just driving by themselves. Did you know that rich people Not for a long time have they ever had to manually crank a window. (laughs) Got into a rental car with my son one time and it had those one of those. He said, Dad, how do I go? How do I roll down the window? (laughs) They have electric windows, seats that adjust automatically, seats to get you to the temperature that you like. They have individual Areas, the way you set your side nice and cool, and your wife sets her side like the Sahara Desert, man. <laughs> they come with alarms and radios and GPSs and all sorts of stuff. That's the kind of cars that wealthy people, rich people, blessed people drive. Wealthy people live in homes. Oh, they are nice. Sometimes wall-to-wall carpeting, sometimes just hardwood floors. Uh, Adjustable lighting, the temperature is always controlled exactly right. The water comes out the faucet at nearly any room they want, and it's always there, always again, at the temperature that they like. There are rooms in their homes that they don't use. And besides having these wonderful homes, rich people, you're not going to believe this, Rich people sometimes will take a perfectly good kitchen and completely tear it out, completely tear it apart, replace all the working appliances, and just upgrade it to make it look nice. Upgrade it and finish it to make it new. Same is true with the bathrooms. The rooms where they go to the bathroom. Rich people have technology. Everybody has technology. It's the latest and greatest. It does all sorts of amazing things. And just when you thought it wouldn't, couldn't be any more amazing, about every year there will be a, a live event announcing the newest one. And people will line up. Rich people will line up overnight around the block to get the newest Latest and greatest. Hopefully you understand my point. We are blessed. We are. I mean everybody, not just we in this room. I mean everyone living in this country is the 1% of the world. And I, get, I, I realize there's people on the 9.1 to 9.3 to 9. But listen, when you compare your life. And how you live to someone who's living on just a couple dollars a day. Man, they look at us as wealthy, as rich. 
as blessed. It, it, the things that I just described sort of in jest are things that they describe with truth. Now, before you get nervous, I need you to understand something. Because there's kind of a small little slow, slow creeping movement into the church that, that wealth is unholy. That um, you only got that way because you, you push somebody else down. No, that's not what the Bible says. That the, the idea that um, we should sort of, sort of equalize everybody. No, the Bible describes a parable of the talents. People with five talents, people with two, people with one. I just want us to all understand in here that from a worldly perspective, we've been given five talents. And that does not mean we should feel guilty. What that does mean is that we should feel extra responsible for using those talents in a way that blesses other people. That's the purpose. Okay? Wealth is not unholy, nor is poverty inherently holy. They're just tools in people's hands. What God, from his perspective, wants to know is, with the talents I've given you, what do you do with that? How do you use your iPhone or your Android to bless someone else? How do you use your home to bless someone else? How do you use the clothes that you have to bless someone else? How do you use what you've been given in abundance to bless the kingdom of God and other people? Now, you understand this idea that we are all wealthy, that we are all five talent. I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5, I'm sorry, chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. As we look for some more specific instructions toward those who are wealthy. Verse 17 of 2 Timothy chapter 6. I'm sorry. I said 1 Timothy. I think I wrote that down wrong, but uh, it is... I apologize, I said it right the first time. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 19. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present world. Now, if you've ever read that before and you just kind of skipped over it because, you know, things are tight at your home, you can't make it work, you're having some struggles, you got to stop, you got to back up, you got to listen to Paul's talking to us. Command those who are rich in this present world. Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way... They will lay up for themselves as a firm foundation in the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Paul says this. Basically, three, th- three little warnings here. Number one, don't be arrogant. Don't assume that that is yours. God has given that to you for a purpose and a time. Keep yourself humble and how you use the blessings of God. 
Number two, don't put your focus or your hope there. One section of scripture we're not going to go to says that don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. And if you're a person who checks your 401k and your retirement accounts and your mutual funds every single day, you may be putting your hope in something that's not eternal in nature. Your hope's in God, regardless of where the stock market is. Your hope is in the Lord, regardless of what happens in the markets. And three, he says, do good. Use your blessings to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, to be willing to share. I know some people look at Acts 2 and different things, and they say, and they kind of take this attitude that, well, the early church had kind of a communal nature, and we should all be sort of communists or something like this. No, 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 that's not what it is. See, communism is by force. It's at the point of a gun where you have to share with others. Early Christians shared because they wanted to out of their heart. It was a free will. It was a desire to do good, to be generous, to be willing to share. Now, I've already alluded to it, but let me just take us to our second point. You are blessed. The question is, why are you blessed? And that's our second point. You are blessed to be a blessing. Why did God give you the home that he gave you? That you might offer hospitality to someone in need, to invite people into your home, friends or strangers, to serve people who need it. Why did God give you the vehicles that you have? To take someone to the hospital, to help someone who is injured and can't drive, to get someone to church, to make that a part of uh, their life. Guys, I'm here, and I've told this story before, but because two people use their car to take me and another lady to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, in my case, it was at least for four years. That's using your blessing to bless others. Some people say, well, you should feel guilty, you should feel terrible, because look at all this, all this poverty and all. The question is not, that's not even the issue. The question is whether you're using it to bless someone, to help someone. Take, a, take an honest measure of your blessings and ask, am I using them to bless someone? Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. See, it's all a matter of perspective. First, do you see yourself as blessed? And second, are you willing to step out of seeing yourself as blessed and just say, man, God must really love me and say, no, God loves you for a purpose, for a reason. He wants you to bless someone else. So may we take stock of that as a church. Here's we've kind of put this into practice through the Light of Life campaign this year. Um, We've done this in three separate campaigns so far. First, we started out with the change bucket for simple simple change for simple house. 
And together, you brought a little over $1,200 to bless the folks at Simple House who bless the homeless and people who are in poverty, people who are struggling. We've Those bins, each week nearly, have taken a delivery of food and clothes. That's a wonderful thing. Um, as many of you have volunteered, over 150 hours has been donated, and certainly a ton of food um, has been given to Simple House. Celebrate Recovery, we did a campaign where we uh, set up envelopes at each side. We asked you to consider uh, sponsoring a Bible and buying a Bible. And so we have, uh, I think, somewhere close to 50 Bibles for Celebrate Recovery and for people who are uh, utilizing that ministry. Um, By one estimation of the Martins, they said over 750 hours of time from people has been poured into that ministry. The next one is the soup kitchen. Uh, we also did kind of another change drive, and lots of people have gone out there on Mondays to help clean up, serve, um, and uh, prepare the meals. And But there's been a couple of extra things. They've needed a stove. They've needed a fridge, and we've been able to do that together as a congregation, giving a little over $1,700 um, over 140 hours by the, the Christie's estimation have, have been poured into uh, that work. And so thank you for that. We had a, a fourth one that wasn't even one that we planned on. But when hurricanes hit Houston and Florida, uh, we just asked the congregation. We said, we'd like to help, but we're not down there. So The best thing we can do is send money to organizations that are on site, that are working, donating, volunteering, helping clean up, serving the people whose lives have been so dramatically destroyed. And in one Sunday, uh, not something we planned for, over and above the normal giving, as all of these have been, uh, you brought over uh, just right at $10,000. So thank you for the ways in which you've shared and been generous and been willing to your, use your blessings to bless other people. It's part of our DNA as a congregation. We realize we are blessed, and we realize we have a responsibility to bless others as we go along. Today we're going to have one final Light of Life Challenge. This will be the last one for the year. Um, of course, on Harvest Sunday, we have, as we have for many years, uh, filled the what they call B7. And by the way, the Holtz and Ben are both gone today for different reasons, traveling and speaking. And so um, if you have, when I talk about this, if you have questions about it, you can talk to myself or you can talk to Justin Harold or you can talk to Jennifer Campbell and they can answer any more questions about the work of Carpenter Place. But most of you are aware of what's happening out there. They help hurting girls. They try to bless them with a Christian family home environment. It's a faith-based agency run by Churches of Christ. It's, my opinion, one of the best works we've got going, one of the best uh, good in the community that can be seen by lots of folks in the name of the Churches of Christ. They are 100% privately funded, meaning everything they get from a year to year depends on the people who are blessed if they're willing to pour their blessings into those girls. Uh, so far, lots of Northsiders have responded by the Holtz estimation. Over 800 hours has been poured into volunteering at Carpenter Place and helping in various ways with different projects that they had. So if you've done that, thank you. 
And today we, we are going to challenge the entire congregation to one more challenge. And it's a, it's a big one. It's a little bit scary. Um, perhaps you've heard the answer to this question. If you know the answer, just shout it out. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, which is kind of right, but the best answer to that is with a lot of forks. We've got a huge elephant, and this morning I'm asking people with a lot of forks to put your bib on and belly up to the table and get ready to help eat an elephant. Northside supports, I mean, you may not know this, but we help support one girl, not, not a specific girl, but we support financially Carpenter Place from the church contribution Enough to support one girl for one year. What I want to do with this last challenge is see if we can support two girls for one year. So um, we have a, starting today, there's going to be these bulletin boards. And I have them down here, and I have a couple of guys who are willing to help me, hopefully. Thank you, guys. Just stand right there. Uh, starting today and for the next three weeks, there's going to be these boards which have envelopes numbered from 1 to 200. And what we are asking you to do as a congregation, if every single envelope is taken uh, and filled, by the way, then that will support one girl at Carpenter Place for one year. The work that they do is... I mean, it's amazing how they help hurting families, how they heal these hurting girls. And so this is something that everyone can participate, whether you're a 9.1 or whether you're a 9.9. But, but I want you not just to grab an envelope, you know, just kind of without thinking. I want to challenge you and your families to sit down and say this year, maybe instead of pulling out the Black Friday ads, Maybe we could just say we're going to do a little less for Christmas for ourselves because there are people that we could help that really need the helping. And we won't miss the few things that we don't have, that we don't line up for. And we'll get a little extra sleep on Black Friday. Maybe you could as a family decide, hey, what could we do instead of so that we could bless another girl at Carpenter Place. Many of you know these girls and love them and work with them. And so I hope that you will take the opportunity to prayerfully consider uh, an amount that you would give. And then once you, I'm just going to pick a ballpark number, but let's say that you say we would be willing to give $200. Okay. Then you would pick the, you could pick the 200 envelope or you could pick the 100, uh, wherever it is. The nine, 100 and the 90 and the 10. The point is the number of envelopes totaling the amount you want to give. And what you're going to do is simply put that in there, write a check to Carpenter Place, um, and you can mail it in. And we're just going to send all this to them, and we'd like all these envelopes to be mailed to them by the end of the year. So that for next year, before next year starts, blessed people will have been able to be a blessing to the amazing team at Carpenter Place. So prayerfully, thoughtfully consider what you'd like to give and then get the envelopes that tally that amount uh, and turn those in 
no later than the end of the year, please. Guys, thank you for holding those. These boards will be at each exit as you leave today and for the next three weeks. So you guys can go ahead and put those boards out there and thank you for your help. So again, just to review to make sure we understand, prayerfully consider an amount, take the numbered envelopes equaling that amount by November 26th, and the return those donation envelopes to either uh, by mail or to Ben Zikafus or to Sarah Holt uh, no later than Christmas. What a great way to give a gift and to bless the great work at Carpenter Place. Well, we have talked about blessed blessedness and being a blessing to someone else. The best way to be filled and to fill your lives with gratitude is to empty yourself. And I'm not just talking about emptying your pockets I mean, just talking about just our general approach toward life. The more that we overflow with generosity toward others, the more God is able to pour into us his blessings that overflow to others. Jesus said this in Matthew 5:16, "Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven." That's the whole point. Not not that we get uh credit for the good deeds, not that Northside gets credit for the good deeds, but that he gets the glory for the good work that is done in Christ. May we truly understand that being filled starts with being emptied. And so we're going to talk about that for the next few weeks. This morning, Christ's eternal invitation to you is the same. And by the way, if I went through all that list this morning and you say, well, I don't count any of those, you know, I, I'm not blessed at all. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you have been immersed for the forgiveness of your sins and you've been promised the hope of eternal life and given the gift of the Holy Spirit, you are absolutely blessed. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. May we understand that, that we are all blessed And if you haven't stepped into that eternal blessing that comes only through Jesus, I want to invite you to do that this morning. There is no, there's only one way to be blessed in eternity. There's many ways to be blessed in this life, but there's only one way to be blessed in eternity, and that's through Jesus. So this morning, if you have any need and you'd like to put on Christ, or maybe you've been in Christ and you've just let greed and envy and hard-heartedness Get in the way. We'd like to pray with you and for you and bless you in whatever way we can. Please come as together we stand and sing.